Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about the energy industry from Alpha Energy Group. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha, and I'm joined by my colleague Jason Durden, Head of Energy Markets and Risk Management at Alpha, and we're having a look at the UK market and what's influencing it from uh, continental Europe and further afield. Uh, Jason, oil has been in the news recently touching $75 a barrel. What's been going on there? Is this about the recovery in the global economy or is it oil specific or a bit of both? I think there's lots of things going on, Jeremy, really. I mean, I think there is a uh, global sort of uh, beer and greed trade going on around most markets at the moment. I suppose the the greed is driven by the huge amounts of liquidity being pushed into markets uh, and that money needing to find a return. The fear is that it is certainly in terms of commodity and asset pricing just stoking inflation, which you know we saw from the Fed last week that if they're signalling 23, they're probably privately thinking 22. So I think that there's a big picture element to what's going on in oil, as you'd expect, as a proxy for sort of a global recovery. In terms of more sort of micro oil, analysts really aren't seeing anything new out there. This rally for the last 10 dollars at least has been pinned on returning demand and frankly and fundamentally until and unless international global air travel is back to where it was pre-pandemic we've got slack in the system the question will be how greedy do opec get if that's the right word that they're perhaps then maybe not their meeting at the end of this month but maybe the one after that in terms of uh, what they do on the supply side because yeah there is a tightening market things are recovering but it's not going to recover until jet has uh, kind of um, moved back to where it was and, and we still seem to be a, a fair way from that so there seems to be sort of the big the macro trade is on here and uh, I think when we've got investment banks like Goldman's famously talking talking $85 oil about probably 5 or $10 ago. You've now got a few people coming out into the market and actively talking 100 With inflation fears real and people worried about being left behind and not wanting to hold cash because it's being printed at a rate of knots that is you know, not sustainable, I think you'll find that these become self-prophesizing numbers and markets want to hit them before they actually take stock and look at the real picture. Will OPEC want to get in the way? Well, I guess we'll find out uh, at least part of the answer to that question over the week ahead. But it sounds like um, your view is, yep, there's a lot of bullish sentiment out there and it's going to be there for a while. But perhaps those who are calling that that we're likely to see oil at over 100 a barrel and so on by the end of the year, maybe they're getting a little bit ahead of themselves, perhaps, would you say? Yes, I think so. I mean, the fundamentals don't necessarily support $100 a barrel. We think the long-term equilibrium is still around 75 I suppose the inflation trade is the, the the one here. Has the latest round of a sort of asset price movements is that turning into um, longer term inflation that that, that is going to derail sort of current liquidity uh, measures? And all that has to play out. And of course, we're coming into to silly season now anyway, as we move from June to July. There'll be one more round of meetings before the typical August holidays across most of the central banks. And then you're into September for any direction. So I think there's an element of uh, it could get a lot more silly season before it gets better. 
Well, talking about silly seasons, some of us have just had to put the heating on a day of the summer solstice, which is slightly strange. But you would imagine at this time of year that renewables will be producing quite a lot, certainly solar, and one would hope wind too. But the UK market, which is not only heavily dependent on wind itself, but influenced by adjacent markets, I gather, you know, a lack of wind in Germany currently and forecast is having a big impact on the market there and hence indirectly on the UK. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. So we've seen modest improvement in wind output in the UK over the last couple of sessions. I think it's been so ridiculously low for weeks on end through the cold May and then the hot spell that actually we're seeing approximately sort of average four to five gigawatts on the system, which is not brilliant, but it's okay. Where it really falls down is uh, we're seeing EU power prices on the spot we are skirting 100 euros a megawatt hour in Germany. I mean, that's pretty much unheard of. France is slightly less affected, trading sort of high 80s because they're in a sweet spot there. They're seeing, despite the strikes that have been going on in France, we've, we're expecting pretty much all, a lot of their short-term maintenance to be back on by the end of today, tomorrow, meaning that about six gigawatts of power has come back on line since last Friday and that's pretty strong uh, in terms of France because there's a little bit of a dip in planned maintenance now because obviously we're heading into peak summer but yeah Germany's the real issue there I mean if you look at the uh, long-term forecast the long-term forecasts don't see more than about 50% of what we would expect to see an average in Germany for this time of year and that obviously is pushing all of the uh, sort of uh, shortfall into fossil fuels. There is a small increase in the forecast for German solar, which is obviously some discount during the peak daytime hours, but obviously not so much at night. Clearly, this is feeding into the frenzy that is the European gas market as well as uh, as everyone reaches to uh, replace the renewable energy with, uh, with gas or, or uh, counterintuitively coal, of course. Well, that's a very good point. If you're going to avoid using coal, the most carbon intensive of the fuels, then at least gas has the advantage of being half as carbon intensive and relatively clean to burn when you're in periods where wind isn't generating to the extent uh, we'd like or anything near its rated capacity. And how are things looking in, in for gas in the UK with the sort of summer maintenance and things that are going on at Bacton and elsewhere? In a word, dreadful. <laughs> no. uh, Thank you for being so direct, Jason. No one could ever accuse you of not speaking your mind, and uh, I think that's a good example of it. So how concerned should we be, or is this just a, a short-term blip that's having an unfortunate impact on the markets? Yeah, I think short-term opportunism, given the given the backdrop that I've talked about in terms of fear, greed, and all of those other things that we see in, in markets at the worst of times as well. So let's just have a look. Really, we've got the Fortis pipeline is still causing issues into Bacton. That's been pushed back to the 1st of July now. The oil maintenance, as is well known to most people who, who look at these things, the Fortis pipeline, before the associated gas around it can come back in, obviously if they shut down the oil pipeline, the gas gets turned 
off as well. That's just been pushed back by a few days into rather than the end of June. We're not going to see that until early July now. Looking further afield, we were expecting sort of over the course of the weekend and yesterday, we were expecting Troll and Casto to come back on from planned maintenance. Uh, All of that and Dolzberg and Scarve have all dropped into unplanned maintenance now. And obviously with the extra demand um, from Germany and from sort of a lack of wind in power terms, we're seeing short-term gas approaching uh, 30 euros uh, a megawatt hour, which is, you know, you have to have a very long memory and been around a long time before you've seen prices like that. We're talking sort of last financial crisis really 2007-8 in the run up to uh, the 2008 financial crisis when we had oil at 150 and uh, coal at $200 a tonne and uh, a gas at 35 uh, euros per megawatt hour so yeah we're, we're sort of um, you've got all the analysts really scratching around looking at the history books at this point in time some of us have a, a slightly longer memory than that yeah so There are lots of short-term maintenance issues on gas in the North Sea, be it Norwegian or the UK. And of course, the shift towards LNG as a supportive factor here is is not helping as we saw in January when the Far East catches a cold or or a heat wave in in current uh, circumstances. They push prices up. They're prepared to pay a bit more for uh, LNG. And obviously, we're now seeing US cargoes being diverted away from Europe and into Asia, um, which is trading at a uh, relatively small but useful premium, which is obviously bad news for short-term outlook for gas availability in Europe. Looking at it longer, and I am assured by proper analysis from proper long-term fundamental analysts, looking at this and they're they're seeing no long-term shortage in european gas i think this is a conflagration of like a lot of uh, bullish things all happening at once and being made to take uh, maximum effect there's no denying they're not happening you know there is a shortage of gas we have had uh, low storage we did have a cold winter we have got we're competing ever more with other parts of the world in terms of the gas that is available the russians are playing politics with the americans and the germans over nord stream 2 there is a lot going on and it could get a little bit worse before it gets better but actually you know the prognosis for sort of the end of this year in 22 actually looks like there should be more gas than we've seen for 12 months 18 months or so available to europe That's an encouraging thing to hear, at least in the medium term. But of course, consumers have got to ride out the storm between then and now. And as you say, some of us with long memories can remember oil going north of $150 a barrel briefly and uh, gas prices at the sort of level we've seen in Europe seem like out of another era. So let's hope that doesn't stay at that level for too long. And of course, the last commodity, which is related to powering gas, of course, is carbon. Just as a last comment, what's been happening in the UK carbon market, what's your take on how the markets see it? Well, so fascinating. And one has to say good news for the end user as well, Jeremy. So the UK market, the fears to start with were that it would be a very small illiquid market and the pent-up demand would see huge premiums over EUA as everyone tried to get out of their non-imperfect hedge 
uh, hedges in EUAs and into UKAs. We're three auctions in, which is what uh, 18 million tons of uh, credits that have been primarily put into the market, and we've seen a peak in the spread. So we saw initially that fear show as a five pounds a ton premium in UK markets over EU markets. We've seen that auction after auction steadily be eroded, especially by strong words or strong leaked words by the regulator and and Bayes and various other media that have said, you know, well, actually, the mechanism we've set up current levels, we're going to issue more credits based on where the market's taking this. We saw that spread pretty much disappear. And we had the third auction last week on uh, UK, and it cleared at a lower number again, slightly lower every time. We're now seeing that UK is trading at a small discount to the EU and I suspect that is because it is more directly controlled by the regulator. It's not a panel of 27 member states that all have to agree on something before anything is done. Secondly, it is unattractive to speculators and investors because it's a small, well-regulated market. So ETFs and all the rest of the uh, sort of unwanted investor interest really is still focused on the EUA. That said, the EUA at 53 euros, which is what we're seeing this morning, maybe touching 54, is still way off of the 57 that we saw a little while ago, the sort of um, in early May. And I think it's really important to say that there seems to be a little bit of a, a pause. Unfortunately, we, we are waiting in the EU sphere for some announcements from the Commission, the regulators effectively, in the next month or so could be another leg up in terms of uh, wishful thinking in terms of carbon abatement. We're seeing a few forecasts out there saying, you know, 65, 70 euros by the end of the year, which should be concerning. But I think politicians now will have to get involved. If Europe is unilaterally committed to handicapping itself in a global environment. Well, indeed. And uh, and thank you so much for your uh, explanation of all of that. I think, as you say, there's some big announcements coming out in a few weeks from the European Commission. They're going to have to put some meat on the bones in terms of what they're going to do to achieve their ambitious decarbonisation targets. And it's not going to come cheap. And carbon markets are going to be affected by that. But also uh, some encouraging news, I think, from what you say about the UK carbon market. It's early days, of course, but maybe, shock horror, we might actually have got something right. Uh, let's let's see. Um, uh, good news for consumers, of, if so. Well, thank you for that, uh, Jason. Really interesting as ever. If you'd like to find out more, do visit our website, alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK. Have a look at our reports there and look out for another podcast to join us again soon.